This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham coming to you from Watsika, Illinois. And you are listening to another special Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network. Today we're presented by the Draft Horse Journal for January 5th, 2017. Our episode number is 1603. This episode brought to you by the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. Happy New Year, Heavy Horse World. Good morning. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Pertrans in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody in the draft horse world. We're glad that you're you're with us today. I am happy that Lisa is here because you had to drive through snow and freezing and all kinds of crap to even get to us today. Well, it's always an adventure. Uh, It seems like every time it becomes Thursday and we're going to do horses in the morning, Mother Nature says, well, we're going to make it a challenge. So today, again, (laughs) minus zero, wind chill and snow and To get the best sound, I know that working with you, I've learned that what I have at home isn't the best. So I drove over to my store, which is about 30 minutes away. And so we're coming to you. We're coming to you live now from my store. And you say the sound is good. Oh, it sounds really good today. Yeah. We don't have you on the phone in the back of a big arena somewhere like we usually (laughs) do. (laughs) Well, tomorrow I will be. So, hey, I could call back in tomorrow. We do this every day too. So <laughs> we have well, these. I told, I told you, if I had to do this every day, I I would have to make some adjustments because it's a little stressful getting everything set up and going. But I I can't even begin to tell you the number of texts and calls and emails about the draft horse world, the heavy horses loving what we're doing. Oh, really? And Good. spotlighting it. And yeah, I got Christmas cards this year from people I really didn't no other than through social media and just comments you know we love your show and we don't always get to hear it live but we can go back and listen and it, you know it's just been a great addition to our draft horse world and and for those that are listening i saw some posts on your facebook page or uh about how to listen and if you're listening now on your computer you can also this is new actually as of about two months ago you can listen live on your phone two ways. On your phone, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com and there's a listen button. You click that and your phone will set it up and then you'll be listening live. Or you can use our app. Uh, Go to the iOS or Android app store on your phone or your tablet and just search for Horse Radio Network. Download our own app. And at the top of that, it's new, as I said, as about two months ago, there's a live listen button and you Mm -hmm. click that and then click streaming and then you're listening to us live on your phone. Now, Obviously, you have to have a connection of some sort. You have to have cell service or you have to have your Wi-Fi on. I would, you know, and then you can listen to us live on your phone that way, like if you're driving to work or whatever. Well, I just say you need to download that app because 
you have that cute little horses in the morning icon on your phone then. Yep. And that's right. And, you know, most people, uh, well, I would say that a majority of people now are listening on our own app as opposed to even iTunes or some of the other podcast apps out there. But it does make it simple. It's easy. Anybody can understand how to use our app. That's a, We designed it that way. We designed it for new people just coming in and listen to a podcast for the first time. Well, so I, again, I think it's very exciting. And I noticed on your social media, you got a, a new blanket for Christmas that looks uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, it was crocheted by Jennifer's stepmom and my stepmom-in-law. Is that a thing? Stepmom-in-law? <laughs> I, I don't know. But, and today it can be anything. Yeah. <laughs> but she, it was huge. I mean, it's about five foot by five foot. And she crocheted our Horse Radio Network logo, which is really cute to begin with. And she did it. It took her six months and it is absolutely beautiful. I mean, you saw it. It's just beautiful. Uh, she must like you. That was a labor of love. That was a you know probably the most loved gift we've ever gotten uh, yeah. because you know just the amount of work it took. It, it took her three weeks to lay it out. Uh, you know, so, and I know a lot of the draft tourist people out there, you know, they're the, somebody in the family crochets or uh, and appreciates how much work something like that would be. It just well, uh, was really special. So Christmas was good. And I know like at our house, I had had on our earlier show in December talked about the favorite things of mine for Christmas. And I did get to talk with Bob at Shipshawana Harness. And he was very funny to say, my goodness, we sold an abundant amount of cross ties and vacuums in December. And I'm thinking that's all due to horses in the morning. <laughs> I'm always surprised when I hear that kind of stuff because, you know, we talk about this stuff and we, you know, we, it wasn't even a commercial. We were just doing products that you liked uh, for, for could be Christmas gifts. And then I hear back from those, from people and they say, I should have stocked up on those. And uh, we don't even <laughs> think to warn people that, you know, that might happen, but right. good for him. Right. <laughs> good for well, him. I know it. I know at our house, we, we got a lot of boxes in from Shipshawana Harness, and all all my son wanted was what nothing normal 16-year-olds want. He wanted a neck sweat for his for his draft horse, and we disguised it. We got it from Bob, shipped in, and we put it in a different box so that, you know, he, he didn't know what it was. And I, I, I'm thinking all as he's opening gifts, I didn't get what I really wanted, and then he got it, and... You know, it's kind of fun that can he can help us out with that. He goes to high school and they, everybody asks each other what they got for Christmas, and he says a neck sweat. Yeah, uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> what that must be like. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. Kind Trying of, to explain that to your friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Well, we're talking about me coming over in the snow today and driving, and and I was thinking about January supposed to be the time of the year when everything's kind of in hibernation and it's slow. But as you and I talked about, for me, January is just as busy as August. I, I have shows going on all, all over this month. But I was thinking as I was driving 30 minutes over here, upcoming shows in Colorado, which start next weekend, including the National Western Stock Show, they have tremendous draft horse shows. And I'm thinking, I'm driving 30 minutes today, and as I'm looking over the the hitches that are going to be traveling out there. There's a hitch coming from Michigan, Ohio. Talk about dedication to our industry. They're driving 30, 40 hours to get to their next show. And you're going across I-80 in the winter. It, you never know what the weather conditions are going to be like. The roads sometimes actually are shut down because they're so bad. But um, just talking about me coming over here today and, and what a small thing I have to do when you look at the scheme of 
people that are supporting our industry and, and the dedication of getting in their semis and traveling 40 hours to a show. I know. It is incredible. Well, let's find out from Jennifer what's coming up on today's show. Coming up on today's Draft Horse Journal episode brought to you by the Clydesdale Breeders of the United States. We'll visit with Brad Messersmith, who has a really cool name, and he specializes in the building of teams, draft horse teams. And then Ken Sando is going to make a case for having a good lawyer on your farm team. And then after the break, Don and Carleen Davis talk about the Southern States horse polls. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you very much. And uh, Lisa, you had something that you wanted to talk about real quick. I did. And, and you and I had talked about this and didn't know, I didn't really know how to approach the situation other than hitting it just head on and, and talking about it. Our draft horse industry suffered a tremendous loss this week. Um, one of our good friends from Wisconsin, Jody Hinn, 16 years old, was in a car accident and it took her life earlier this week. And I just want to say that Jody was such uh, a young and aggressive horse person. She excelled at everything she did with the light horses, the draft horses. Uh, she rode her drafts. She she worked with them. She drove them in the show arena. It was a family-based uh, operation for, for her and the Thunder Express Pertrans. And man, what a loss for our industry. She truly was a, a, a bright spot. She was the overall youth showman at Wisconsin State Fair last year. She was at the World Pertron Congress that you and I were out in I Massachusetts. I think I met her when we were there. Oh, yeah. just, just an amazing young girl. And when her dad called me Tuesday morning to tell me what happened, it, you know, it just takes you down to your knees and, and makes you appreciate what you have and I I think one thing that we have to always remember is that we never know what the day's going to bring. And I know talking with my son, who's 16, Jody was 16, you know, don't ever take anything for granted. And and one thing that I'm personally going to say is Jody did not have her seatbelt on. Who knows what the outcome would have been if it was different. But you and I have talked about it, too. Whether you're just driving out the driveway or you're driving down the highway, Make sure to wear your seatbelts because every life matters. And I just want the family up in Wisconsin and all of her family and friends to know we're thinking of them. And Jody truly was a high highlight of our industry. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. A tough thing. Yeah. Well, we we do have a lot of things coming up on today's show. But first, we have to talk uh, while Jennifer is rounding up our first guest. We have to talk a little bit about the Waverly Midwest horse sale coming up. Well, if you've never been to Waverly, it is a place that you need to go. Not only is it a horse sale, it is just a gathering place of, of horse enthusiasts from all different breeds and all specters of our industry. The, the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale is the longest running and largest public draft horse auction is in existence. Its role in the heavy horses revival can't be argued. When it began back in 1948, it was the only venue of its kind. And today, Waverly Midwest Horse Sale remains the draft horse sale to which all others are compared. They have a sale twice a year in the spring and the fall. It's far more than an auction. It's a great tradition. If you'd like to join the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale in the heart of the horse country, their upcoming sale is March 28th through the 31st of 2017 as they'll auction off tack, horse-drawn equipment, horse collectibles and oddities, and over 700 head of horses. And if you're not looking just for draft horses, they have everything from miniatures to mules, farm teams, 
every size, style, and color of horse that you can imagine, even draft horse crosses. So if you're looking to get into the horse business, Waverly Midwest Horse Sale is your place. Consignments for their spring sale uh, that will be held in March will be accepted right up to the sale time. So if you have any kind of equipment or tack that you'd like to consign, make sure to give them a call or stop at their website, which is the waverlysales.com. You can find them again on www.waverlysales.com. You can look for them on Facebook. That's uh, the Waverly-Midwest-Horse Sale. And again, their spring sale is March 28th through the 31st. Their fall dates, again, will be in October the 3rd through the 6th. And that is in Iowa. We ought to mention that, too. It is, and it's just maybe two blocks from the Draft Horse Journal. And our next guest coming on, uh, it's just down the road from him as well. So the Messersmiths, the Draft Horse Journal, and Waverly are all together. Is that right? I didn't realize that. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And is it is it chilly still in uh, March in, in Waverly? <laughs> well, we've always laughed that if you need rain, schedule a Waverly horse sale because it will <laughs> rain, it will snow. I think everybody that goes make sure to pack their, their tall boots and their winter clothes because, yes, in the spring, it's very wet and cold. <laughs> Welcome to Iowa in the spring. Well, <laughs> Soup sales are wonderful. I bet, yeah, chili and soup. <laughs> well, we have our first guest ready. All right. Well, I am honored to welcome Brad Messersmith to our show. Brad, uh, we look forward to having you as a guest for, for a long time. And as we were leading into you joining us, I know Glenn said you have a unique name. And, and Brad's not very unique, but your nickname is Gomer. Yes, ma'am. Um, I've, uh, I've had that since I was a little kid. Uh, seemed like uh, everyone in our family always had a uh, nickname. And does well, it have I, anything to do with Gomer Pyle? I have to ask. Um, you know, I, I never have had anything. Just people like like y'all asking me, but no, I've never have. Uh, just everybody. I've got a, I've got another cousin. They call him Worms. I've got another one. They call Red Dog. Um, they just everybody had always had nicknames in our family. <laughs> Well, I've known you almost all my life, and I, for a long time, you don't even, if you hear the word Brad, you don't even associate it with you because you're just Gomer. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have been, and I tell everybody that, and I said, I, I tell everyone that I answered about anything. <laughs> well, just a little history uh, about you. First of all, we'd like to thank you for for joining us. As I said, I know that you and Lynn are friends, and we were just talking about the Waverly mm-hmm. Midwest Horse Sale, and that's right in your back door, a place you probably grew up and to this day are, are one of the top consigners taking good horses there. But the unique thing about you and your wife, Cindy, is that you make your living buying and selling horses and horse-related equipment. So tell us a little bit about how you got started. I, I know your your dad was big in the, the horse industry, but in today's age, to say that you can make a living doing this is quite a feat. Um, it's You know, it, it, it's a real major feat. Um, I've did it. It's just been pretty natural. Um, you know, I've, I'm, I've been married 30 years. I've been in the, uh, the horse business, all of that. Plus I've been strictly horses for, um, like 27 years. And, uh, you know, uh, it just started out and I, I used to train a lot of horses. I would keep 10 outside horses every month. Um, mostly all draft horses, you know, back, 25 years ago, 
um, all of the small farms around the, the country, um, most all of the people, they all had a draft horse. And, you know, the county fairs back in them days, there was always people coming to the county fairs, so there was always a need for the, the training and the use of the draft horses. Well, like time goes by, that went by. And there's less and less people that have did that. But uh, so my training aspect has went down and I started into buying and selling horses. And, uh, um, you know, I have people that call from all over the United States that I uh, that want horses and, and uh, I take care of them. Sure. And, and I know one thing that that you have provided to a lot of people is transportation. I know. 20 years ago, you hauled horses for me. And then just a couple years ago, when my son was moving some horses around, when you need a horse hauled, you don't have the trailer, you're not going to that area, call Gomer, and you usually can find a ride for a horse just about anywhere. Um, if, if I can't do it, if I'm not going that way, I have enough leads that I can find somebody, you know, to get it transported, you know, any place in the country or Canada. Yeah, exactly. And and so going back again to how you and I have, have been friends and been in this business for a long time, I think one of the key things for me is when somebody's looking for a team of horses and not just a pair of horses that match in, in size or something, but a team of horses that anybody from a beginner to somebody who's experienced to somebody that's um, just wanting to work with farm horses or somebody that wants to get into show horses, they can call you. And you can find horses that will meet their criteria. Um, and, and as I said, people trust you. Tell me about how putting horses together, you get a call, let's say, from a lady in Texas that says, I need a farm team. What's your mm -hmm. first steps in trying to match her with a team of horses? Well, usually I ask them what knowledge that they have. Then I ask them, you know, what, what do they want? And, you know, some people say, well, we'll take, you know, it doesn't matter. And I, I always tell everybody, well, it does matter. If you had a special something that you wanted, what would it be? And then they would say, well, I would really like a pair of Belgian gildings that stand 16 two and have stars on their head and their mm -hmm. red sorrows. And I tell them, well, then I will, that's what I will try to find. If I can't find them, then I'll let you know what I do find. And, uh, Cindy had come up years ago and we got started out on how she did, how we came up with this, but she came up, uh, let us find your dream team. And I always put that in all of our ads, you know, Lynn had, mm -hmm. had used it and, uh, it's been, uh, it's kind of funny, but a lot of people, they call and that's the first thing they say is I'm calling. I want my dream team. And there's, so many people nowadays, you know, Lisa, that are in the 60, 70 at retirement age and they want to retire and they think back when they were younger where they had a team of horses and they're at the part of their life where they have the, the money and the assets and everything to go and buy whatever they, they prefer to have and they call and that's what they, they want their dream team and I, and I find them. You know, and the word dream team means something different to everybody. You know, mm -hmm. younger, younger kids dream team is something that's 
that's 18 two and slaps their belly when they go and, yeah. and hard to hold. But a dream team to somebody calling you from Oklahoma that says I'm retired and my dream team is a pair of Belgians that I can hook up to a manure spreader and go out in the field. So everybody has their own dream team. I think that's what's unique exactly. on how you do pair them. But in all your years of doing this, do you have any horses that stand out in your mind that, that you just won't forget? Well, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've got some of my own personal horses that I've had that have really been, you know, really, really my life. I, um, my uh, first pair of breaking horses, I always had two horses all the time and, uh, they were blue and Charlie and I sold them. They were, uh, uh, 14 and 16 years old. Um, they weighed, uh, 20, 23, 80 and 24, 20. They were gigantic. Wow. And, uh, I sold them because I had a young team that I just wasn't using. And I, I had to do something with them and they went to Wisconsin Dells on a retirement deal. And, uh, that was probably the, that was the start of my whole deal with that team of horses. So I would have to say that was probably the ones that are really the the best, but I've had some outstanding teams. I've, I've sold some teams all over the country to, uh, some spectacular people, you know, and, uh, Brad, I don't want to. I don't want to pass that up. Uh, you yeah. said <laughs> you didn't. Lisa picked up on that too. Twenty four hundred pounds. So for those out there that don't have draft horses, that's a ton and a quarter. Uh, it's yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. That, that's they, a dream. They, they were huge. <laughs> that, they were huge. Well, that was a dream team for yeah. somebody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and yeah, also they, about two they, bales they of hay a day. <laughs> Yeah, well, they. One thing about when they get that big, they're kind of like big people. They kind of can maintain on about nothing. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, they just kind of constantly eat. Yeah, but uh, well, no, they were they were quite a team. Well, if we flip over to light horses, I don't I don't know if Lynn was setting us up to ask you something that we're going to get something funny for, but in some of our show notes. He said, make sure to ask him about some of his interesting experiences with riding horses. So I'm thinking this is a lead into a good story. Well, there's so many stories with me, Lisa. Um, (laughs) I don't really know where, where he's going with it, you know, and, uh, but, uh, um, I've had a, I've had a lot of different, uh, light horse experiences through my, my fortunate career. But uh, I really don't really don't know where where he's going with it because I have I have so many of them. <laughs> well, we could probably write a book on stories with you and Lynn because you you and and Lynn and his wife Lynette and you and Cindy are are very close. And I'll be seeing you next month when we come down to the to the um, show at the sale in Gordyville. So that'll mm-hmm. be that'll be fun to catch up with everybody. But. We talked earlier about one of our sponsors is the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale. And like I, I was trying to tell Glenn, you're you're close to that facility. And I'm sure that you have been at the top of the sale list for um, different occasions there. Tell us about some of the horses that, how do you get them ready and fit and promoted to take them to a place like Waverly to get your best dollar for them? Well, you know, there's a lot of sales all throughout the country anymore. Um, the Waverly sales 35 miles from me. So it's been, um, very, 
the easiest sale for me to attend and to take horses to. Um, fitting horses, um, I started that doing that years ago. And, uh, I mean, some years it was, I would have a lot of horses. I mean, I've had up to over 30 head of horses that I've taken to the sale. And, you know, a lot of the people that, a lot of the people that I get are a lot of elderly people. A lot of people that are retiring, they're getting rid of their horses and, uh, they can't, they can't do it. Um, and so they call me to take care of them and take them through the sale and just represent them for them. And, uh, it's, it grew into a really, really big business twice a year. That's just awesome. And I know you're kind of in the heart of Amish country as well. The Amish, are they producing the horses like they did in the past? Is that a go-to place for you when you get a call looking for horses? Do you, do you still communicate a lot with, with the Amish in your local area? Um, I, I communicate a lot with them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a place that I, I go and look for horses. Um, you know, and they also, if they have horses, uh, you know, they, they contact me too. Um, it's, uh, uh, getting horses nowadays is, is a lot harder than it was. They're just the, they're just not around like they were, you know, there's Mm -hmm. not as many horses and, uh, to find the broke ones is harder and harder, which is, that's just, that's just the way it is. Hey, right. be- hey Lisa, before we let uh, sure. Brad go here and run out of time, um, I wanted to ask you, because when, you know, I'm a Percheron guy, and when, when it, most people think about Percherons, we think of grays or whites, you know, grays, and we also think of black, but we don't think of blue roan, but you apparently have an affinity for blue roan Percherons. Well, um, I was telling you about my first team of horses yeah. that I'd sold that were so big, they were blue roans. And, uh, they were, they were full brothers. And, uh, um, back then is when I got my, my love for them. And, um, I was very fortunate, a very good friend of mine. I'd bought a blue roan mare from, and from that one blue roan mare is where we just kind of accumulated all of the, the other ones. And, uh, I, they never change colors. They change, or they change colors three times a year, but they're always blue roan. And, uh, you know, like a gray, it ends up eventually going to turn white. Right. And, uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's really been a, a big deal to my wife and I, I mean, we've, we really enjoy them and, 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 and they're a hot commodity also nowadays because they're so rare. Yeah. You just don't see a lot of them. Matter of fact, if anybody wants to see that, just look up blue roan, Google blue roan Percheron and look at the images and you'll see They really are spectacular looking. Sure. Yeah, right. yeah. Usually we come up. Yeah. Well, I I think before we leave with you, we always talk to our listeners about how they feel the current status of the draft horse industry is going, and and we're doing new things. Where the social media has been a, a tremendous thing for our draft horse industry. But what do you see as our future, Gomer, going on forward with the draft horses? Uh, I think the the draft horse industry is has been growing every year and I feel like it's, it's going to keep growing because, um, there's, there's so many people that, uh, that do both ends of it, you know, that do the, the farm team deal and do the hitch horse deal. And, uh, there's so many new people that there's still a lot of new people that are coming into it all the time, you know, with, 
you know, the Birchins, the Belgians, the Shires or whatever. And, you know, that's what, that, that's what makes this whole industry grow. Sure. And, uh, I think, I think it's, uh, doing very good in the prices. I mean, you see at the sales, you know, they're, the prices have really grew and, uh, it's, it's really became a great deal. All right. Well, we appreciate everything you do for our industry. And if anybody is looking to, to get into the horse industry and, and needs some advice, I know they can call you or Cindy and you'll point them in the right direction, help them find their dream team. And, you know, we just, we just thank you for your dedication to our industry over 30 years of promoting draft horses. And, and we consider you one of our great friends. Uh, absolutely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. And it, All right. You can find uh, him at MesterSmithDraftHorses.com or on Facebook as well. Thanks, Brad. Hey, have a great day. Cool. I had not, I don't know that I've ever seen a Blue Roan Percheron in person. Well, uh, he, he is the king of it. If you look at his ads or you, or you, I've been to his farm before. He has some of the best in the industry, not just blue roans, but blue roans that are, that are fit and breedable that, you know, you do want to produce with them because they are a dying breed. There's not a whole lot of blue roans out there. And if I go to shows, I don't even think 1% of the horses I see are blue roan, but I know Gomer and his wife do a great job promoting them. Well, let's hear from Shipshawana before we get to our next guest. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness, or you can give them a call at 260-768-768. 7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. Well, coming up next, we have Ken Sando, who's an attorney from Myerstown, Pennsylvania, my old stomping grounds. He's been writing Horses and the Law for the Draft Horse Journal's legal column for the past 16 years. He's an attorney by profession, and his family also owns and shows a competitive hitch of Belgian geldings. So, And he's uh, been part of the uh, Keystone International Livestock Exposition, a director of the Pennsylvania Livestock Association, and on and on and on. He currently has... <laughs> 12 head of Belgians, and he considers the draft horse addiction a labor of love uh, and money, inspired by his grandfather and father, both who farmed with horses. Hey, Ken, good to have you on the show. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Ken. You are in my old stomping ground. Good morning, Lisa. I grew up in New Holland, so we were next door neighbors there. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're a half an hour away. Yep, you still love that area, and it's a beautiful area if you own draft horses too, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know we talk a lot uh, on some of our other shows about the legal side of owning horses, and unfortunately, even people who run boarding stables or who have buying and selling businesses, you know, just like Gomer, who we just talked to, they sometimes are lax on the whole legal side of things. I think they. 
I don't know if they think it's going to be too expensive or whatever the reason. You obviously find the same thing. How do you convince people that they really should get in writing? Well, uh, usually what happens is someone calls and they have a problem. I ask them if they have a contract, a lease, or uh, a release uh, involving the situation. Of course, the answer is no. I explained to them that the problem could have been avoided if there had been a written document which covers these situations. And the word gets out, especially in the draft horse industry, since it's such a small community and it spreads like wildfire. And I have been very busy doing a lot of agreements, leases, boarding agreements, uh, carriage company contracts, which include releases, broodmare leases, stallion leases, sponsorship agreements. Uh, I've done many, many of those, couple hundred over the last few years. And I think that people are starting to get the message uh, in this in this world today, you really need to have eyes in the back of your head. You have to be very, very careful, and uh, people are starting to get it. Well, that's mm. good to well, hear. <laughs> well, I know, Ken, you've, you've done contracts for me before, and the days of just shaking hands and saying, hey, thanks for dropping your horse off. I'll get it trained, and you can come pick it up in a few weeks. Those days are gone because the first time something goes wrong – we're in a Sue happy world right now. And whether we're in yeah, the horse business where it's yeah. smaller or not, you, you do need to pr- protect yourself. And when I was promoting on social media that you were going to be uh, one of my guests today with Glenn and I, I had a question come in to me about fencing. And I don't know if this is something that's different in every state or community, but advice about fencing, you have your horse in a pasture, somehow it gets out. What is the legal issues if that horse gets hit by a car or my question for my reader was what happens if my fence don't hold my horse in? Well, here's where you are with that. I wrote an article on that. uh, I think within the past year, uh, I think I titled it mending your fences, but basically what it is, you have an obligation to keep your animal uh, within your pasture you have a duty to go out and maintain that fence. Check it out, do that periodically. If something happens where a horse gets scared and runs through the fence, there's nothing you can do really about that. But if you have a fence that's uh, pretty rickety and in need of repair and you let it go, you could be held responsible. Uh, In the article that I just wrote, I remember one of the cases... um, a horse had escaped from the pasture and uh, the police came, found the owner. The horse was put back into the pasture. A couple hours later, the horse escaped again. The owner had done nothing uh, to fix the problem that existed originally. And the owner was charged both civilly and criminally. So what it comes down to is a duty, is a duty to maintain your fence but it's not an absolute duty. It's a reasonable care duty. And what that means is you need to check it out. If something happens and, you know, five minutes later, the horse gets out and you had no knowledge of it, that's not your fault. Uh, For example, if someone scares the horse or is in the pasture or opens your gate, you have no responsibility there. 
The gray area is maintaining the fence. What kind of shape was it in? Uh, how often did you inspect it? Did you check, check your electric? Is the current uh, flowing and all that kind of stuff? So there's not a litmus test that you can use other than common sense. Maintain your fences, get out there, look at them, check them out. Um, I like to go over mine at least once a week and uh, see if everything is holding up. And that's what I would advise people. Just use common sense, check those fences. And if there is a problem, fix it. Don't wait until tomorrow. Perfect. I know. I know. Everybody seems to have that horse that they call Houdini that can get out. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> best thing is to maintain it and find out what what's going on all the Get time. A bigger but, lock. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, Glenn and yeah, I were some talking. Some of them can even figure that out. Yeah, that's yeah, true. They do. Glenn and I were talking. This you're in close to his old stomping ground where he grew up. He was back there for for Christmas, but. What what are you preparing for right now? I know there's a big event in your future, and and I'm going to be joining you well, tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. The farm Pennsylvania Farm Show, the 101st Farm Show, is going to be starting uh, tomorrow. Some of the draft horse events, and Lisa, for the first time in 23 years, I'm not going to be able to make it this year. Oh, my star, you just uh, crushed uh, me. Oh, you I know. crushed me. I know, I know. Uh, I have some things I have to do, and I'm just not going to be able to make it, which is okay. I have some young horses that uh, need some schooling. Uh, we had some fun at Kyle with the one uh, young horse. He didn't want to steer. Yeah, uh, I so remember. I really only could go one. <laughs> he wouldn't steer, and, uh, and we could only go one direction. So probably it's a good thing that I can't make it this year. That's okay if the they're all going fine at home. That's okay <laughs> if everybody else is going the same direction, but not so good if no. Uh, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's when, it's when we got to make that uh, right hand turn that uh, it's a no no. Well, I have to think it's back to that I'm not coming this year. Oh, but I think back, this is many, many years ago. And I always say, if I'm writing a book, I know there's certain things I always want to talk about and things that I remember, but you were always a helper to be in every class you could be at the farm show. And do you remember, I don't know how long ago it was, but you were in the the costume classes where I think you had a maybe a hearse or you had a stagecoach and I just remember, coach. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I just remember what a beautiful display you'd come in with the six horse hitch hooked to the show wagon. And then you'd come back and you had that stage coach. And I remember that class. I said, you could have everything from Marion to Barion to delivering the money. Farm show always had some fun classes and you were always a part of it. So oh, I'm, they, I'm sad that you won't did. be there. Yeah. I'm flying out yeah, tonight. Yeah, me too. I told Glenn, oh, it, great, it, never, great. it never fails when you fly into Harrisburg for farm show. You either get snowed in or you get snowed out. It's one of the two, or ice. Yes. I always had ice yes, during farm they, show. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, well, the it, one year they closed the roads, it was that bad, and it was the state police <laughs> and the exhibitors, and we had a blast. We showed to the state police. No one else was there, and uh, we really had a good time. Well, farm I, show can be... 
and people uh, interesting with pe- weather. People that have never been to the Pennsylvania, it's the largest indoor exposition like that in the country, and it is just enormous. Oh, it's and, huge, and and you get you get fifty to a hundred thousand people a day coming there. It it, it is incredibly yes. crowded. I mean, it's just. But they show cows and chickens and all that stuff. Uh, plus, they have a huge exposition. I think a lot of people go just to see the big tractors and all the farm equipment. It's just fun. Yeah, uh, and the butter sculpture yeah. and everything they do there. But it is uh, it is quite a thing to witness uh, at least once on your bucket list because it's <laughs> something yeah. else. It is, and when you're and when you're showing draft horses there, it's really uh, different because uh, the cows are and steers are walking in and out as you're trying to get into the show ring. The people are all over the place. Uh, it's an obstacle course getting in, (laughs) into the ring. Once you're in the ring, you're okay, but getting in and getting out can be uh, interesting sometimes. Well, and then it's it's unique. And and that's partly because you've got people who have never seen a horse before. You get, you get non-horse people, but 90% of the audience is non-horse people. So it's just regular people coming out to the farm show and their first time seeing a big horse like yours. And they don't know that you're not supposed to stand in front of it as it's trotting into the ring. Um, (laughs) No, no, that's right. (laughs) And when you're standing, waiting to go into the ring, people just start crowding around you. And some of them will actually come right up and start petting the horse. Uh, That's why it helps to have a bunch of people with you to kind of control a little bit of that. Uh, But it's very interesting. It, it, It is really different each time. And, you know, they built that new um, they added onto the complex and spent a lot of money and they built the new arena that the draft horses show in. But during farm show, you get to go into the old Coliseum. And I think on my list of places to show horses, that Coliseum is one of the best. It's just so yeah. full of history. It's just like when you go to Calgary and you're in the Saddle Dome, you, you know you're there. When you go to Denver, you know that that I mean, it's just the feel of the facility. And when you go to Harrisburg, and I know my announcer's booth kind of extends out over the the entrance, and, mm-hmm. and I can literally feel yep. the ground moving when the horses are coming under me. And, man, yes. it, it's just a thrill yes. to be in Harrisburg. So, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch a plane this afternoon and, and be out there and really going to miss you. But getting a little back on target about you and, and – your specialties. You do write this article for the Draft Horse Journal, and I, I'm one of your faithful readers. I go to see every time because I think it's much cheaper and easier to be progressive and, and know some of the things you're talking about. Like I said, I've, I've called you and had you do some leases for me and different things like that. But how do you pick what topic you're going to write about in the Draft Horse Journal? Well, what I do is I keep uh, try to keep up with all the stuff that's going on uh, in the equine industry. And I have a lot of um, computer uh, programs that I, I'm able to look at things across the country and uh, look at legislation that's being passed. And I kind of, from there, it's subjective, like pick out the things that I think would be most interesting uh, to the readers. I think in the last issue I talked about uh, action devices on show horses. Again, they're trying to uh, change the Horse Protection Act and outlaw things like pads, wedges, weights, and uh, things of that sort on horseshoes. So I thought that was a good article for people to look at, especially since sure. we just had the Belgian Congress, and I wrote about that. So I'll I'll come up with maybe eight or ten different 
topics uh, uh, each time I want to do an article, and then I'll just sort of subjectively pick what I think would be most interesting uh, to our readers, in particular the draft horse people. I have a question, and this is something that you see uh, people doing all the time, too. So I want you to talk them off the ledge. Uh, it's so easy now just to go on Google and look up, oh, I need a sales agreement, or I need this, or I need that. Why should they go to uh, an attorney like you instead of just doing the uh, printed off Google thing? Because every state is different. You, if you go on the internet and look for an agreement, you'll get some generic agreement and you're not sure where it came from or anything like that. Uh, Pennsylvania's law is going to be different from Ohio's law, which is going to be different from Indiana's law. And uh, you need really to contact someone who's familiar with the equine statutes. Uh, there are equine immunity statutes in almost every state, and they're not all the same. They're not all uniform. Uh, the releases that you have to draw have to be worded in a particular way, depending on what state you're in. Certain states, you have to post signs. Some states, you don't. It, some states, of course, uh, write their laws much differently than others. And if you aren't aware of these particular nuances in the law, it could invalidate the agreement. So, you know, you get what you pay for. Uh, you can do an agreement from the Internet. It might work. It might not. Uh, but if you go to someone who's familiar with equine laws in the state that you're in, because all these issues are generally going to fall under state law, federal law. So you have to be sure you're following what the state law says um, in that in that particular matter that you're addressing, whether it's a tort release or something like that. You have to make sure you're on board with what that state wants in their releases. Okay, so now without naming names, what's the most bizarre case you've ever had <laughs> involving horses? Uh, okay, um, I would have to say. There was a case in Berks County. Uh, you would be familiar with that, yep, Glenn. That's yep, another sure. neighbor of Lancaster County, uh, where uh, you might have heard of the Gruber Wagon Works. Yes, yes. Uh, that's where, uh, mem remember Gruber? They yeah. made the wagons about 150 years ago, very popular. Berks County bought that property, and they run an event every year where they ask for volunteer horse people to come in and give rides, and they have crafts, and they have food. This particular uh, event several years ago, some fella came who had never been there before, had just bought a pair of horses, and, you know, there are a lot of people here, and you drive them around the fairgrounds there and give rides. This fella thought driving them around meant uh, galloping them, trotting at a very <laughs> fast pace, and, and doing some crazy things. Uh, even though we were, you know, shaking our hands, saying, uh, waving our hands, saying, slow down, slow down. Well, he didn't. And it caused another person who was there giving rise, the horse spooked, and there was a crash. That lady got hurt, was in the hospital. She did okay eventually. Uh, but the problem became, uh, who do you sue? Because in Pennsylvania, uh, the, the state or local government cannot be sued. There's something called sovereign immunity. There's only eight special exceptions. And then the issue also came up where these volunteers 
employees of the county or not employees of the county. So I represented the lady who got hurt, and it was a real uh, issue as to what we can do to try to uh, help this lady pay her medical bills and things that happen under the unusual circumstances there. So I was able to enter into what's called a high-low agreement with the other attorney. The judge doesn't know about this. The jury doesn't know about this. It's an agreement where we set a limit. We set a low limit of 100000 a high limit of 500000 on the case. And what that means is if we go in and the judge throws the case out, I will still get 100000 If we go in and we get a jury verdict of a million dollars, I can only collect 500000 So it's a way of uh, kind of limiting what you can get, but making sure you get something. Mm. And lo and behold, the judge did throw the case out oh, because no. of sovereign immunity, but we were still able to get the 100000 uh, and I was afraid that was going to happen, which is why I wanted a high-low agreement. I was really surprised the other attorney did that. So we lost the case, but we still got the hurt lady a hundred thousand bucks. And the guy, and the, <laughs> so, the uh, and the jerk driving the horses around got away scot free. He, well, he was he was worthless. I mean, we couldn't have <laughs> yeah. collected anything from him. So uh, you know, that's like throwing it up into the wind, and uh, we didn't want to waste time and money doing that. Well, I think the good thing about having you as an attorney is because you are a horse owner, you, you know, you and I know if there's anything that could happen, it's happened to you. You know how to adjust and roll with the flow. And I I don't think I've ever seen anybody that always has a smile on his face, whether things are going real bad or real good. You're always, you're always funny and, and just a great guy. So having you work with horse law makes so much sense because like I said, every, everything that can happen, you've had it happen to you and you don't just handle Pennsylvania people. You will help, you know, I'm from Illinois and you've done things for me. So tell people how to get in touch with you, no matter where they are to get help with their legal issues. Well, um, I'm in the draft horse journal. So I believe most, uh, draft horse people, uh, get the journal or have access to it. I'm in there. I do an ad, uh, for, the farm, uh, and there's also information in there concerning our legal services. I'm also on the internet, so you can just Google uh, me or Sunny Hill Farm, and uh, you'll you'll come up with information on how to get in contact with me. And I get calls from all over the country uh, on issues which occur. Most of them I can handle uh, or do a little research on the particular state um, that we're in or refer somebody to uh, an attorney uh, in that state that's familiar with horses. The big problem is so many attorneys that handle these cases, and you're right on the money, Lisa, don't have a clue about horses. And what's really scary is the judges deciding these cases. Many of them have no idea uh, what's going on or what they're doing when they uh, do these decisions. So we try to help them out and educate them as much as we can. Uh, but we're dealing with a lot of people that control a lot of these issues through decisions, through laws, et cetera, that aren't horse people and really don't understand what's going on. Right. Well, the best thing to do is is to be proactive and, and try to head us off as much as you can. And like Ken said, you can find him in the Draft Horse Journal. You can find Ken Sando on Facebook or Steiner and SandoCooper.com. 
or you can get a hold of Glenn or I and we can point you in the right direction. But as always, it's exciting to talk to you, Ken. I'm so sorry I won't see you showcasing those beautiful Belgian geldings at the farm show, but I'm sure I'll see you at Gordyville in February trying to buy some new horses. Yes, we'll see, and thank you so much. I enjoyed uh, speaking with both of you very much, and I will really miss you, Lisa. Hey, All Ken, right. next, have a great day. Next time I'm up, Ken, I want to ride, okay? I'm coming over. You got it. Uh, Just give me a holler and we'll fix you uh, up. Hey, Ken, I'll even <laughs> sign the waiver, okay? Uh, <laughs> but don't oh, let him yeah. don't let sure. him drive. <laughs> Do not let him drive. Yeah, don't let me drive. That'd be bad. The waiver won't even count then. I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm going to give you the young horse that won't turn right. Oh, I'll they're perfect. Uh, I guarantee we'll only be going left. See you, Ken. Yep, Bye-bye. There you Bye. go. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. What a nice guy. <laughs> we have the best. We have the best guest. I just I just have to shout that out. We, you know, whether we're talking farm horses or who can talk to a who can go talk to an attorney and have this much fun? That's true. That's true. Well, the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA have a lot of fun, too. And it's far more than just a registry for the world's most famous gentle giant. The association sponsors national and regional horse shows, awarding special recognition to exhibitors of top-quality U.S.-bred stallions, mares, and geldings, in addition to the usual hitch and halter classes. And national sales organized each year, offering the largest selection of Clydesdale horses for sale anywhere in North America. Okay, that's just a beauty show right there. That's that's like uh that's got to be one of the coolest sales to go to. Held in it's con- amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, a lot of feathers and a lot of baby oil. Held in conjunction with the national sale are the association's annual meeting, a members banquet, educational seminars and more. The Clyde This Breeder- is a vacation. I mean, if you want to if you want a vacation in a bucket list, you just read everything. You get a meeting, you get a sale, you get banquets, you get education. It's Christmas in April. And if the Clydesdale breeders want to bring us out to cover it, I'd be happy to. The Clydesdale breeders also sponsors a draft horse, a youth novice Congress that enables peoples of all people of all ages to learn about the Clydesdale and draft horse industry through seminars, hands-on learning, and experience in show ring situations. They also produce a yearly publication, the Clydesdale News, a comprehensive journal full of information to promote the Clydesdale breed. Currently serving over 800 members, the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA registers approximately 450 new horses annually. The Clyde Breeders is a very active association that's open to all people interested in the well-being and advancement of the Clydesdale. We invite you to become involved in both the association and the Clydesdale industry. With them, we uh, they welcome inquiries and new members. It is a full-service organization, and becoming a member is very easy. Visit Clyde US Clyde's plural, USA.com, or call 815-247-8780, or you can email secretary at Clyde'sUSA.com for more information. Well, we have a song for you. We're coming back. You did a great interview at one of Jennifer and I's favorite things to go watch, and we're definitely going to head down to the villages to watch this year, and that is horse pulling. But first, we're going to hear from uh, Mary Ann Kennedy. We have her song, Horses in Life, and we'll be back. Back with more in just a minute. Horses in life, it's all the same to me. The reason that my heart keeps beating inside. 
purposes in life This passion was born at birth Until my last day on earth It'll be life Over the last 30 years, the Penwoods Equine product line has grown from its original groundbreaking vitamin and mineral mix to include 26 products. As the market has changed and the nutritional science has evolved, so has Penwood Equine's product line, with quality supplements that support joint, hoof, performance, digestive, growth, and breeding health. Yet one thing still remains that separates Penwood's Equine from the competition. Every one of their products contains a large dose of common sense. Penwood's equine products are available at Shipshawana Harness and Supplies or 
ask for Penwood's Equine products at your local tack and feed supplier. For more information, you can call them at 800-255-3066 or visit them online at penwoods.com. Today we are talking with Don and Carlene Davis about the versatility of the draft horses. A lot of times we're talking about the hitching and haltering of the draft horses, but today we're going to talk about horse pulls and the ever-popular sport of horse pulling, and especially how it's going to be a great part of February in Florida. As I said, we're talking to Carlene and Don, and going back in history, as I always like to give a little personal information, Carlene was the first announcer that I ever remember hearing, and I learned a lot from her, and she was always the voice, and now that I do it for a full-time career, it's it's nice to go back and, and visit with some old friends. But Carlene, you and I did shows together in Ocala, Florida, which was where our show was broadcast. We did shows at the Live Oak Classic when it was uh, in operation many years ago, and, and that's fun, and, it, and it's a joy to be back together with you. But what we're going to talk to you about today is the horse pulling. And as I said, it is becoming more and more popular, and Florida seems to be the hot spot literally, for pulling. So give us a little history about um, your involvement with the Southern Draft Horse Association and their pulling. You got to know Glenn and Terry Yoder. Um, Terry Yoder is president of the Southern Draft Horse Association when they came up to Michigan to pull. And over the years, we developed a friendship, and Terry started the pulling circuit in Florida, greatly improved the pulling competition that was there. Um, he has the resources available, uh, both with stabling and to help financially with the pullers that come in. In 2015, we were averaging about 20 teams per contest, lightweights and heavy weights, and they came from all over the United States. Um, the Teamsters look forward to the competition as to well as the sunshine, the warm weather. We had a great place for the guys to work their horses. The hospitality is exceptionally great um, from the Yoders. They enjoyed the competition because it was teams that don't usually get together throughout the regular pulling season. It's really a unique experience. And the places that we go to conduct the polls are just so welcoming. We have huge crowds and we have people from all over. In fact, one person took a very informal census of the parking lot at one of the polls and we had um, licenses from 15 different states and three provinces of Canada. That gives you an idea of, of what kind of a crowd we draw. Our biggest crowd is probably at the Villages. Uh, we are out behind the polo grounds. Um, it's unusual for us because, you know, the villages is a golf cart community, um, and we have more golf carts than we do automobiles there. It's a great audience because there's quite a few people who do not have um, any other opportunity to see draft horse pulling. They're eager to watch it, to really feel a part of the competition, and also to ask questions. So it's just, it's a great opportunity for horse pulling in Florida. It's a great opportunity for horse pulling overall. And it's a great opportunity for our pullers to enjoy a horsey vacation. Well, it sounds like there's a lot going on, but to kind of get into the basics of a horse pull, Don, what are the majority uh, of the horse breeds that are represented at these polls? Uh, the main breed is 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 the Belgian breed uh, because uh, the uh, 
the pulling is bred into the into that breed, and the Amish uh, have taken a, a liking to that because it's a new market for them to sell their Belgian horses. So they are producing better quality of pulling horses throughout for all those horse pullers to pull to use or to, or to buy. But I'm assuming there's a pair of Percherons that slide in somewhere. There is a, a Percheron cross that was predominantly at the Florida pools and throughout the Midwest this some this past summer. Uh, that was a Belgian Percheron cross. I see. Well, Carlene kind of hit on that there are different sizes and different divisions. Tell us a little bit, if you have a team of horses, is it customary that the first thing you're going to do is weigh your horses when you get to a pole? And, and what are the requirements for the different divisions? Okay, the lightweight class is 3,420 pounds uh, that they're weighed. And then, and this is what's unique for the Florida circuit is there's just one way in time. The first uh, contest, at, which is day before the Dade City pull, uh, the boys all weigh their horses, and that's the way they're going to pull this pull in the, in the schedule. And but once in a while, a new team will uh, come in, but they still have to weigh under the 3420. Then, of course, the heavyweight horses can go anything from 3425 up to whatever you want to anything up to 55 to 5600. That's the total weight for the pair. Wow, some big teams. And, and Carlene, going back and thinking about horse poles, I grew up and my grandfather did horse poles, but we had a sled and we had either sacks or concrete blocks that we added to the sled. We've really uh, kind of aged past that. Tell us what kind of vehicle that they pull with now. The dynamometer, that's the actual pulling apparatus itself um, in here in Michigan. It's on an international truck. And the dynamometers date back to the early 1920s Iowa State College. Um, the dynamometer's role in history is that it made the transition from animal husbandry, the caretaking of the draft horse, to draft horse science because we now had a way with the introduction of the dynamometer to accurately compute live horsepower. Let's take Michigan State College, for instance. At one time, they owned two dynamometers and traveled them throughout Michigan with a team from the University of Technicians that went along, and they determined that if they were to record the height, the weight, the sex, as much breeding as was known about each one of the horses, how they were um, fed and how they were harnessed and driven, then they could take all of this information back to Michigan State College, tabulate it, and distribute it to the farmers. Of course, the purpose was to produce a more powerful, more efficient draft horse. And that's exactly what our breeders have done. The very first recorded dynamometer contest was in 1923 at Iowa State College. And at that time, the most weight that any team could pull was 2,300 pounds. Now, our current heavyweight world record was established in 2014 at the Hillsdale County Fair, Hillsdale, Michigan. And in that contest, a team pulled 4,900 pounds the full distance. So from 1923 to 2014, we've gone from 2,300 pounds to 4,900 pounds. And that's because the breeders have done their job and they have produced a more powerful, more strong, dependable draft horse. But we also have better ways of feeding, 
We know a lot more about harnessing, working, training, conditioning. All right. And, and one thing she touched on, Don, is training. When these horses are hooked to the to their sled that they're going to pull. Their initial pull gets them started. But what do these exhibitors and drivers do at home to help get these horses conditioned to lay into the pull? Well, every teamster has a different method how he trains his horses at home. Most of them uh, work for anything from maybe from four to six hours. Depends on how many hours he can spend with his team. Uh, we start them out on a nice walking load at the be beginning to start in increasing their wind and power and so forth. And that's the main thing right there is to increase their wind. And then, then we develop their muscles by uh, increasing the, the weight of the sleds that we're walking them on or pulling them on during the, during the workout during the, per each day. And, of course, it's, it usually depends on what the teams to how much he works and what his time limit is. Everybody now has a job or can't spend 24 hours, or eight, 24 hours a day with him. So it's, everybody has a different schedule how they train your horses. Everybody, just like everything else, everybody has a, a certain way they do things. I see. And, and when you talk about going to these shows and there's exhibitors there, but the spectators coming from all over, where is the concentration for the pulling horses right now? I, I know you are heavily involved with the Michigan area pulls and then and going down to Florida and working with the Southern Draft Horse Association, but where is your biggest concentration of the pulling horses? I would say it's right here in the Midwest, Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. Um, but fortunately, there are other polls across the United States. In fact, the last statistics I read that there's horse polling competition in 31 of our 50 states. Um, people just need to look for it. And Lisa, there is, there is one thing I would really like to stress about the horse polling competition. These are equine athletes. They're trained and they're conditioned and they're ready to work hard. But the Belgian breed um, is known for its eagerness to work. They love to work. They, they like to work hard. But again, they're equine athletes. They're trained and conditioned for this type of competition. And all of our associations across the United States have rules. And every association bears in mind, number one, safety for the horses and for the drivers and for the hitchers. It, it's just a terrific thing to watch. It's a a reminder that there was a time when all of our farm work and delivery work was done with live horsepower. And I truly hope that we never lose this appreciation for the draft horse. Um, the draft horse is the most uh, reliable and dependable service to man since the beginning of time. They carried the knights in shining armor. Um, they moved our country west. They cleared the land. They plowed the land. They took the families to town, and they went uh, throughout the cities delivering merchandise. And it's just a tremendous tribute that we can pay to the draft horse by paying attention to the, the local availability of draft horse shows, draft horse pulling, um, or, or even just going to the orchard or the pumpkin patch and riding behind a beautiful pair of horses. It's, it's a dynamic industry. It's an industry with a terrific amount of history, and there is nothing like a draft horse to really make you feel good. Absolutely. And, and you talk about um, the exhibitors. 
the average age right now, like I said, I grew up with my grandfather pulling, and and that was kind of his generation, the 70 and 80-year-old people. That was their entertainment. But now I'm looking at some of the pictures you have, and it seems like it's a younger crowd. Fortunately for us, yes, it is a younger crowd that's getting involved in it. And our goal with the Dynamometer Association is to get younger people involved as spectators. Um, With the Dynamometer, we do have a way of converting what the team is doing into horsepower. And this seems to be a big draw because that can be related to a tractor or a truck or or whatever. But we do have a huge goal, a huge responsibility across the United States to attract more spectators. Um, This is how we can get more events because, uh, say, for instance, here in Michigan, our county fairs, um, without the state aid, totally dependent upon what they can produce themselves. Um, There's premiums involved, and so they need to attract an audience that's going to pay an admission fee, come in and watch the pools and appreciate them and come back the next year. Sure. And and a lot of the shows I do, there are there are pools in the evening. You know, Iowa State Fair, Denver Stock Show has a great pool. Um, Michigan Great Lakes, there's as many people in the audience at the night show watching the pools as there is during during the hit shows. But we talked about the events that, that you're going to be a great part of and, and you're going to be the announcer at many of these shows and you're probably one of the most knowledgeable of this subject in talking about pulling. And when you go to Florida in February, you're there almost a month because there's seven shows. Mm-hmm. And for our, all of our listeners, if you're ready to go to Florida and enjoy some of the, the beautiful sunshine in February, um, tell us a little bit about where these different polls are going to be located and where they can get more information. The best source of information is horsepullresults.com on the internet, horsepullresults.com, and uh, you can find the whole schedule there. But we are going to be in Dade City, Inverness, Arcadia, Kissimmee, Tampa for the State Fair um, on Thursday of State Fair Week. We're going to be in Bushnell. And then our championship polls, our national championship polls, will be at the Villages on February 19th. And I know our good friends Pam and Katie from RFD, their Gentle Giant show, uh, made the trip in February. And I think the girls were kind of cut caught off guard. They went thinking they were going to be in the Sunshine State, and it poured every single day on you. And and I know on the flyers it says subject to weather, but it has to probably be pretty bad before the polls are canceled. That's true. It it does, and they try their very best to head off people when the when we do have to cancel a poll by uh, posting it on the horsepoolresults.com website. Um, we enjoyed Pam and Katie. I mean, they're absolutely fantastic and very enthusiastic about it. And uh, we last heard that they are going to be uh, broadcasting another episode with more information that they gathered in Florida last year sometime in January, I believe. So watch the RFD schedule for more on draft horse polling probably in January. Perfect. And and as I said, we with the draft polls, we're kind of celebrating our heritage, but we're also working on embracing the draft horses in a new venue and showing the versatility. Hitching and halter riding are are something we see a lot of, but the horse pulls are something that if you've never been to one, I hope you can make a trip to a local event or join them in Florida for one of seven great dates that they're going to be showcasing the pull. So again, we'd like to thank you and wish everybody the best of luck in Florida. Thank you very much, Lisa. We appreciate every opportunity we can to talk about draft horse pulling. 
You know, Lisa, Jennifer and I loved going, especially to the farm show, on pulling nights. And they would do pony pulling, too. They would be pony pulling one night, and then they would do the the, uh, draft horses the next night. It was so much fun to watch. We always packed the place, too. I mean, just packed. Right. Well, like we said in the interview, there's just as many people that go to watch the hit shows as that goes polls. And it's just, you know, I'll be heading to Denver in a couple weeks at the stock show and they will fill that arena at night. And it's always, unfortunately for the pullers, they always come in after the horse show. So they're setting up and, and starting their program when most people are leaving. But that's not the case. People are coming just to watch that pull. So I know pulling, it, it had some bad thoughts in the years past that, oh, it was bad for the horses, but I'm telling you, they are athletes. Those pulling horses are just like our, our Olympians. They are trained, they are fit, and, and they know what their job is, and you just never seen more pure horsepower. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I, but then there's detractors for everything we do with horses. <laughs> right. Discount a little exactly. of that. Yeah. All right. That, let's talk a little bit about the Clyde store and more, which is your baby. Did you, were you busy over Christmas? Oh, my goodness. I laughed. I told my son, I said, I feel like I work for Amazon.com because <laughs> I I was boxing. In the, and if you follow me on Facebook at the Clydesdale store and more, I took pictures almost every day of the postal service workers because they sometimes get a bad rap. But I'm telling you what, the girls in my community, every day I'd come in and they would laugh and they would just say, where's this going? And where are you shipping to today? And they would help me. And we shipped items over the pond. We we sent to Scotland and Great Britain. We went all the way to California, to Texas, Maine, into Canada. And, you know, it was just an awesome season. It was my first year, just started the store in April. And I'm learning. I mean, everything is a learning curve as in everything you do. But I think we're finally getting um, the procedures down on how to work it. And I know we made a lot of Christmases happy. I sent some World Clydesdale Show coats to two young girls uh, in Michigan, and they were the first. I'd never done coats for the kids before. And their dad was so excited to send me the pictures of them wearing their coats and, you know, just knowing that they were the first ones to have these coats and Santa brought them. But the Clydesdale store and more is so much more than just Clydesdales. We have everything that you can imagine from fine jewelry to costume jewelry, clothing, pajamas. I'm I'm so honored to team with Chris Marcus Stone. She is one of the top equine artists in our industry, and I do a lot of her work on my shirts. I I sell her artwork. I sell her cards, her Christmas cards, her greeting cards, and I am posting almost every day on Facebook. The new exciting thing is that our website is going to be opening up um, February 1st will be the grand opening of our website. So if I thought I worked for Amazon before, we're going to really throw this out there into the World Wide Web. And you can find us at www, the Clydesdale store and more. And that will be on February 1st. So we're we're really excited to to bring it to everybody around the world. Sounds terrific. Well, thank you. Uh Thank you for doing that. We also want to thank the Draft Horse Journal because they're the ones that help. Lynn is the one who puts all the guests together and helps us do this Draft Horse episode every month. You can get a subscription to the Draft Horse Journal. Just head over to drafthorsejournal.com. It's only 35 bucks to get the printed edition. You know, he does offer an option over there, which we don't talk about too often, but he also offers a digital subscription. So if you want to read it on your tablet or on your computer and don't want to get the paper, you can do that. It's only 30 bucks a year. 
and it is got terrific pictures. If you're interested in draft horses in any way, shape, or form, you notice how always it has great articles too. But I always focus on the pictures because I'm a guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I look at all those first. But yeah, there's terrific articles, and we had you know one of the authors on here today talking about the law. But you can find it right. at drafthorsejournal.com. Get your subscription today. Now, there's and if a, you're a history, not to interrupt you, yeah. but I just hit me real quick. If if you're a history buff and you'd like to get some of those back issues of the Draft Horse Journals, you know, going back into the 60s, um, at the upcoming Mid America Draft Horse Show or Sale, which is in Gordyville, USA, here in in my hometown of Illinois, in my area of Illinois, they are going to be having an auction that benefits the upcoming World Perturing Congress, and they have some back issues that that go back in history. So, if you're new to the Draft Horse Journal but you love those pictures of the of the horses in the '60s and the '70s, you can go there, and, and they're going to be offered for bid with the money going for the World Perturing Congress, but a lot of people um, that aren't involved in horses that maybe somebody passes away in their family and they get a large amount of draft horse journals, they take them to these public auctions. So hmm. anytime you want back issues, you can call Lynn. He has the previous issues that you can always get. But if you want history in paper, make sure to to visit some of these sales or, or give some of our draft horse people a call and, and they can find you back issues. Sounds terrific. Well, we have a lot of events coming up. Why don't we go over those? All right. Well, I am catching a plane today and heading to Harrisburg so I can be part of the 101st annual farm show and the Draft Horses show Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Harrisburg. Also on January 7th is the LaRue Horse and Tax Sale in LaRue, Ohio, a small town with a big heart for the horses. January 13th through the 15th is the Big Thunder Draft Horse Show in Loveland, Colorado. I'll be flying out for that. That is just a tremendous show. It's just about an hour's drive from the airport in Denver and Big Thunder um, talking with the organizer, Abby, they're going to have 14 six horse hitches. They are at capacity oh, cool. this year. So a lot of those hitches, um, traveling from the Midwest, making their way out there. And, and if you go out there, it's a nice getaway. And honestly, the weather is usually better in Colorado than it is in the Midwest. So big thunder <laughs> draft horse show in Loveland, Colorado on the 13th through the 15th, the Pennsylvania draft horse sale. I, I tell you, Jennifer, and you need to go up there and, and maybe you could find your dream team at the Pennsylvania Draft Horse Sale in Harrisburg, January 17th and 18th. January 19th through the 22nd, I'll be making the trip back out to Denver for the National Western Stock Show. This is so much more than a horse show. Any breed of animal that is in anywhere near the Western heritage, from the cattle to the buffalo to sheep, anything you can imagine, but a tremendous draft horse show and a poll. And that is the 19th through the 22nd of January in Denver. The 4th of February, we'll go back to LaRue, Ohio, for the LaRue Horse and Tax Sale. February 6th is a special workhorse sale in Kelowna, Iowa. Kelowna Sale Barn is a staple in our draft horse industry. They're having their workhorse sale February 6th. Also, February 15th, right after Valentine's Day, you can buy your sweetheart a horse at Mel's Stable Draft Horse Sale in New Holland, hey, wait Pennsylvania. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mel's. Notice I, the connection. Well, I, you know, Mel's <laughs> is where, Jennifer, is where we got uh, my first hackney pony at Mel's Draft Horse Sale. Or it wasn't the Draft Horse Sale. It was one of his other sales. But I didn't know Mel's was still around. Look at that. Yeah. February 15th, you can you still have time to book a flight and get Jennifer up there for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Mel's Draft Horse Sale in New Holland, Pennsylvania. And that let and me then, clarify too for everybody who's heard of the uh, New Holland auction or you know 
horse auction. It is not that. It's a separate place in New Holland. Oh, gotcha. Uh, it's not the killer auction. Okay. <laughs> Don't say that. And one of the highlights of our draft horse industry, a sale that has set the bar very high, is the Mid-America Draft Horse Sale. And it's held in Gifford, Illinois, which around here and in the world is known as Gordyville, USA. It will have some of the top consignments. I know there's a few dispersal sale groups that are going to be there. And it is the premier draft horse sale. It's all indoors. You can watch the horses drive. You can uh, shop with any kind of vendors from Shipshawana Harness down to uh, food people selling food. The Clydesdale store and more be there. Regal Publications, Dave Backman, he's going to have his trailer set up there promoting our draft horse industry. And then they will have close to 200 head of the top draft horses. It's Belgians, Pertrans, and I can't even tell you, uh, Vernon and his crew do an excellent job of promoting it. But the Mid-America Draft Horse Sale in Gifford, Illinois, on February 21st through the 24th, so much more than a sale. It is the social gathering place of the year. Terrific. Well, once again, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us and doing this show always goes by so fast. Thank you for joining us again this month. Well, you'll be back. The Draft Horse episode is here. They're always here the first Thursday of every month. You can find all the past episodes by going to horsesinthemorning.com. Just put in draft and it'll bring up all the past episodes. Subscribe to the world's foremost heavy horse publication, the Draft Horse Journal at drafthorsejournal.com. Visit Lisa on Facebook at the Clydesdale store and more. Find the links to and on our new website's coming up. We'll talk about that the next show. Uh, you can find the links to today's guests. You know, people forget that. You know, you don't have to remember all of this as you're driving or cleaning stalls. You can just go to our website at horsesinthemorning.com. We do a show notes page. That's a separate page for each episode. And we'll, we put all the links into all the guests. So you don't have to remember them. You can uh, follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Uh, and as I mentioned, the best way to listen to our show is on iPhone or Android, uh, whether it's your phone or your tablet. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free. It's easy. It's the simplest way to listen to our shows. We want to thank all the sponsors. We have the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale, Clydesdale Store and More, the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA, Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, and Penwoods Equine Products. We've got a bunch of sponsors today. Thank you we're, so we, much. We're, we're very blessed. It's, yes. it's an amazing show. And thanks, Glenn, for helping to promote our draft horses. And going into 2017, I just see great things for our draft horse edition of Horses in the Morning. One other thing, uh, if you're listening and you're, you're, you only listen on Draft Horse Day, one of the other days you have to listen to Horses in the morning we're here five days a week is on fridays we do a a segment called really bad ads it's our most popular day of the (laughs) week on horses in the morning and for those of you that haven't sent your ads in get on craigslist look for some really bad ads in the farm section send them over to jennifer at horseradionetwork.com we give away prizes each month we read them our last half hour of our show every friday is really bad ads and we just have a little fun with them so if you find a really bad ad from a horse on sale send it to jennifer at horseradionetwork.com and we'll highlight it on Friday's show. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lynn, over at the Draft Horse Journal. We'll see you, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great day. <laughs>